You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Adam Schefter just exhaled. <laughs> Tom Brady has retired. Yeah, he got it right. Yeah, just kind of postponing the inevitable. Now, if you're Jim Gray and you do your podcast last night with Tom, do you feel a little slighted here? If I'm Jim, I reach out to Tom and go, Tom, could we do another podcast tonight? <laughs> because Tom uh, talked about going through the process. Well, here's here's a, a portion of the interview last night on the Let's Go podcast where Tom said that he was not going to rush, that he has a timeline. Do you have a timeline? I don't know. I know when the time's right. So like I've always said, it's, you know, I'm very blessed to play as long as I had, you know, as, as, as things have gone on in the later parts of my career, whether that was five years ago or, you know, even this year, you know, there's a lot of interest in when I'm going to stop playing. And I understand that. I don't, it's not that I don't recognize that just when I, when I know I'll know. And when I don't know, I don't know. And I'm not going to, you know, race to some conclusion about that. Do you think Tom knew last night when Jim asked that question? That's what I want to know. <laughs> because I'm going to guess Jim knew last night that Tom was going to retire. The question is when. But Jim had to go through the process of asking those questions. But, you know, you have the podcast with Tom and you could have made the announcement then. You wait until the next day. Yes, Todd. Now, if the podcast was called Let's Wait then you would have had to have waited till okay. later today to do it. Or let's go. Well, Come on. What's the answer? Let's go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Yours is better than mine. As well, we, always. You got to come up with a new name for the podcast because they're not going anywhere anymore. Like, yeah. let's go walk at the mall. Yeah. You know, let's, go to, let's go to the early bird. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Todd. I was going to give you our now dated poll results. That could be fun. Like I did the dated limerick. Did okay. I make that noise again? Yeah, you do. I don't understand what's going on. Okay. I would bet a week's pay that by the end of this month, Tom Brady's retired 43.5%. <laughs> both 42%. We'll get to what the both means. Neither 8%. Jim Harbaugh is an NFL head coach, 7%. Okay. Your dated poll results. All right. Uh, Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network has been uh, on this Jim Harbaugh story. He'll join us coming up here in a minute. Also, hand size. Hand size at the Senior Bowl, Kenny Pickett may have small hands. Wow. We are jumping the gun on hand size season. You see, it's a couple of months from now. My God, how big is his hands? What? They're small. Tom Brady had small hands, I believe. Do you have the numbers here, Pauling? Of course. Tom Brady hand size, I have that... Do you Anytime know, you ask. There were there are quarterbacks who were trying to do exercises Come on. to get their hands bigger. So, you know, when they measure that that you're getting a little more flexibility. And I guess Kenny Pickett has some kind of thumb that can uh, he's double jointed. <laughs> Is that a good thing to be double jointed? I have no idea. You know what would concern me about Kenny Pickett? I think he's going to be 25 when he gets into the NFL. That would concern me, not how big or small his hands are. I have Tom Brady's combine numbers. He His hand size was 9.38. That put him in the lower third of all quarterbacks in his draft class, 9.38. Mm-hmm. I did a look at it, and anytime you're under 9.5, it seems like there's stories written that it's on the smaller side. Yeah. Brady also ran a 5.28 40-meter dash, 40-yard dash, <laughs> which was the second slowest of all quarterbacks at the combines. He had, if you combined all the measurables together, he was the least athletic quarterback at his combine. They actually did a, a, a rating of it. Oh. 
Seven Super Bowls later. Yeah, I know. See, that's where you can talk yourself into or out of somebody. Uh, whatever Belichick saw, uh, and I don't know if he's fully explained it, because when you watch Brady at Michigan, you just saw a, a good college quarterback. But, you know, whatever Belichick saw and thought that he could mold Tom into, I mean, that's that's incredible. It really is. But... You know, you start to look at these quarterbacks and then you're going, uh, I don't know. It's, I always go back to Mahomes, gunslinger, Favre-like. And I just thought if you watch him play, like you would go, that's the guy in the backyard who quarterbacks for both teams. He's that good. I mean, Jeff George probably had incredible measurables. Uh, uh, who was the uh, Jamarcus Russell? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mike Mayak said that's his best pro days ever yes. seen. I mean, we talk ourselves in and out of these players. Let's bring in Tom Pelissero. He's covering the uh, the Senior Bowl. The NFL Network provides live coverage of that. It's uh, Saturday at 2.30 Eastern. This Kenny Pickett hand size, Tom, I mean, it's worth bringing you on just to talk about it. I mean, how controversial is this at the Senior Bowl? Dan, I think we've got one uh, hand size story every year with the quarterbacks in the NFL draft. If you remember a couple of years ago, uh, Joe Burrow at the Combine after his measurement tweeted something along the lines of, I've decided to retire from football because the ball's going to slip out of my, my tiny baby hands. Uh, you know, with, with Kenny Pickett, it's kind of a unique deal because, you know, yes, I, I had heard the same thing. People were curious about his hand size, which is pretty standard, especially when a guy wears gloves on the field. That's always a tell that makes, makes scouts think. Uh, this guy might not have particularly big hands. What I didn't know until I sat down with Pickett the uh, first thing yesterday morning here in Mobile was he's got uh, double-jointed thumbs. So his thumb actually kind of, if you think about pressing your thumb into the palm of your hand, that's kind of like the resting position for him. Uh, it obviously doesn't impact him throwing the football, but if you're talking about splaying out your hand and measuring it from thumb to pinky, you might get potentially short chains uh, in your measurement. So he did not get his hand measured here. Uh, but you know his explanation was pretty simple, which is I'm gonna you know do some extra exercises, you know basically roll the thing out, which is something that quarterbacks do. As silly as it sounds, you roll out your hand uh, to make sure that you're getting uh, you know close to nine inches, and he'll get an accurate measurement at the combine in a month or so. But is this a big deal for some teams? It's it's a consideration, you know. I think especially for the cold weather teams, you always hear that that in colder weather it can be harder to grip the football if you've got you know smaller hands. Uh, everybody would love to have a Brett Favre ten and a quarter inch meat hook, but as long as you're on the plus side of nine inches, generally that's going to be uh, sufficient for teams. Now, if you know, somebody measures in well below the line, just like any other measurable, if your your height, your weight, your speed, whatever, is just so far below the line, uh, that's going to raise some questions. But, again, we, we've seen guys with, with not huge hands uh, have success in the NFL. Uh, you know, there's guys like Baker Mayfield. There's smaller quarterbacks who have huge hands. You know, is that – Saved Baker Mayfield from ever fumbling in Cleveland? No. You know, is it the, the end-all, be-all? It's one of many traits, but it's, it's always a, an interesting one to uh, hone in on at, at these times of year. All right, help me understand. You uh, reported Harbaugh is going to go visit the Vikings tomorrow. Help me understand, like, you have National Signing Day, and it's like they're let, Michigan's letting him go flirt with somebody to see if he or they fall in love together. I, I, I'm just... 
I'm trying to find the logic in this from Michigan's side of this and maybe even Jim Harbaugh. Well, Jim Harbaugh, if you go back a year, Dan, took a pretty substantial pay cut on his new deal. Uh, he was one of the, I believe, one of the lower-paid Power Five uh, coaches making in the $4 million range last season, and he ends up making a, a run to the college football playoff. So there was always going to be some sort of a, a reckoning that happened after the season contract-wise, whether that was Michigan you know, boosting him up into that $10 million range that most of the top coaches are at, or uh, Jim doing what he's done over the past several months now, which is, you know, really since uh, Michigan clinched its spot in the playoff and they had their, you know, that whatever it was, several week gap, he was in touch with NFL people. Those rumors started in December. And one of the people that Harbaugh is close to in the NFL now is Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, who is the Vikings new general manager. Harbaugh gave him his first job uh, back in 2013 in San Francisco when uh, Adolfo Mensa was a, you know, was a commodities trader and they hired him as an analyst with the 49ers. They developed some type of relationship during that time. And so the expectation within the league was that uh, if Harbaugh got a job, Adolfo Mensa would probably come with him. Well, now you've got the flip scenario where uh, Kwesi's in Minnesota. He, he's a big supporter of Jim Harbaugh. They reached out. They got permission to... Uh, speak with him, gauge his interest on Saturday, and it's now pushed to the point that the plan is for Harbaugh to fly into Minnesota and interview on Wednesday. I mean, until Harbaugh actually gets to the Vikings facility, Dan, I feel like there is some level of a George Costanza driving to the Poconos thing going on here where it's like, I'm really going to do it, guys. I'm really going (laughs) to go to the NFL. And you just wonder, you know, what potentially could happen. But we're 24 hours away from that being – uh, a real thing. I mean, it's absolutely a consideration for the Vikings. They interviewed Kevin O'Connell again yesterday. He's in the mix. Patrick Graham, the Giants defensive coordinator, is in Minnesota today. Uh, those are really your finalists at this stage, but you would think if Harbaugh sets foot on that plane, he's doing it with the intention to try to get a deal done in Minnesota. But I'm trying to also understand the Dolphins here because if Stephen Ross doesn't want to take Harbaugh away from his alma mater – but if he knows Harbaugh wants to go back to the NFL, he doesn't want Harbaugh to go to the Vikings. He would want him to go to the Dolphins, wouldn't he? You would certainly think that. And Stephen Ross, you're right. I mean, that's, that's, this has been going on for, you know, basically since Jim Harbaugh got to the University of Michigan, which was people asking Stephen Ross if he was going to hire him. And Ross, who has his name on practically every building in Ann Arbor, <laughs> uh, you know, repeatedly saying he wasn't going to be the one to bring him back. Absolutely. The, the dynamic changes when it becomes real. But, you know, I, I would tell you, um, you know, many of us have chased this throughout the week, the possibility that, um, you know, they could, that the Dolphins could get in the mix for Jim Harbaugh to this point. Uh, personally substantiated that that is a front burner uh, thought for them right now. They've got interviews later this week with Mike McDaniel, the 49ers offensive coordinator uh, and Kellen Moore, the Cowboys offensive coordinator. Uh, You know, those two guys are squarely in the mix. And based on these next 48 to 72 hours, exactly how this plays out. Great stuff as always, Tom. Thank you. We appreciate your time. Thanks. That's Tom Pelissero, NFL network insider checking on hand size at the senior bowl. And the Harbaugh situation, I just wonder, like once you get in, and I'm going to read between the lines of what Tom is saying, that if he gets on that plane and gets to the Vikings facility, now it's on. Now it's real. But I have to believe if you're the Dolphins and you know that Jim Harbaugh wants to leave, then why wouldn't you offer him the job as the Dolphins head coach? 
Because I thought when they fired Brian Flores, they knew who they were hiring at the time. Maybe that's not the case. Uh, a couple of phone calls here. Derek in Indiana. Hey, Derek, what's on your mind today? Hello, Dan. Longtime listener, six foot, 200. I have um, a potential poll question. Is there any chance that Brady can do one of those one-day sign-and-retires with New England to retire a Patriot? I guess he can. I don't know if he will or would. I mean, we see this all the time. I I don't know what his relationship is. Um, I'm going to guess when he has his press conference that he'll mention his Patriot days. He should. But I don't know if he goes, you know what? They didn't want me. You know, why do I want to go back there and retire as a Patriot? I don't know. I don't know. A couple of uh, other phone calls here. Cameron in Indiana. Hey, Cam, what's on your mind? Hey, so here's what I got for you guys. Uh, Let me just start it off by saying Rodgers is leaving Green Bay. And how do we know that? It's because Harbaugh's going to Michigan. If he wasn't going to, if he wasn't going to Green, I'm sorry, Harbaugh is going to Green Bay, and if he wasn't going to Green Bay, he'd be in another win situation at Michigan. If Rodgers leaves Green Bay, the division's wide open again, and Harbaugh can make himself relevant by winning the NFC North next year. All right. Well, thank you, Cameron. Correct. I'm sorry. We we had guys going places I didn't know they were going. Yeah, John Harbaugh going to the Bears in another Sunday. Something like that. Yeah. Uh I I don't know if Jim Harbaugh goes, uh, if Rogers leaves, I'm gonna take the Vikings. I mean, Rogers is only gonna play two more years, maybe. But I it would be interesting if Harbaugh got the job in Minnesota. They said, Jim, why'd you take the job? because uh, Aaron Rodgers is gonna leave the Packers and uh, you know, it's a lot easier to win now. You know, I don't have to worry about Jordan Love. Uh, you know, I don't have to worry about, you know, I, I, I got the North. I'm good. I'm good. Brady's out of the league. I'm good. Dave in Pittsburgh. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? They call me Pittsburgh Dave, and I'm in Arkansas. But we've got different people on the phones, and we know what's going on. I want to throw out uh, Mike, you know, Seton might need some help. The weather is getting worse. We're under a winter storm watch now down here around Little Rock. So I was just kind of offering up. He needs a place to crash. I got room. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Um, That's very, very attractive offer, I'm sure, for Seton (laughs) and the French kid. But uh, I got beer. I got ether. (laughs) (laughs) Chloroform. (laughs) Come on down here. I got rope. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let you stay in my dungeon? <laughs> Just <laughs> shut that door behind you. Todd, this is where you do the silence of the lambs impersonation. It places the lotion in the basket. Thank you. It places the lotion in the basket or it gets the hose again. <laughs> Put the lotion in the basket. <sighs> You're about a size 14. <laughs> All I can do is set him up. If you can't knock him down, I mean, that's all I do. Yeah, Paul. I've sat in front of Todd for the better part of 15 years, and I get real nervous when he does that meditation because I can't see him. I know. You have to look around. Oh, just one more thing, Governor. Love your suit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're going to take a break here. Take a break. Nick Wright's going to join us. Nick did not text me back. 
Big Chiefs fan. Game went into overtime. Hadn't started yet. I sent a text to Nick Wright. I think uh, the Bengals got the Chiefs' attention. Didn't hear back from him. Quid pro colloquies. You tell me things, I tell you things. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Let's bring in uh, Nick Wright, the popular co-host on Fox Sports 1's First Things First. Before we get to the Chiefs, will you miss Tom Brady? I will, and I don't think he wants to retire, and so I don't think he should. Is the I don't know. This is controversial, I guess, but I think there are pros and cons to anything in life. And up to and including being the family of Tom Brady, I think the pros are obvious and too many to list. The cons might be that for seven months of the year, your dad is very or your husband is very focused on one thing. And I think he has earned the right to put himself first in that he set a goal, Dan. There's one goal left that he has. Play till I'm 45. He's one year away. He's still obviously good enough. And I feel like he's being pressured by the people he cares the most about. But I think his kids would get it. Like, it's certainly when they grow up. Like, well, you know, my dad was the greatest ever at something. And I think as a kid, once you're older, you'd be like, I hope I wasn't the reason he stopped playing. So I did you get the impression at all that he individually won't stop playing football? Because I don't. And I think it kind of sucks that the best to ever do something isn't getting to leave on his own terms or the way a lot of other guys are forced out because they're not good enough anymore. And I think that'll gnaw at him. I just don't know. And and Brady made it official on his Instagram that he is retiring a half hour ago. But I I don't know what is left. If you're only playing because you're going to play to your 45 because you said you were going to play to your 45, like that's that's not enough motivation for me to – Keep going out there and going, yeah, I'm 45 each week. Hey, I'm 45. But what if it's because he loves it? I mean, let me, let me ask you I this. agree with that. Listen, I, the, I am, especially after our last interview, you know, I was hesitant to even come on the show, but I didn't want it to seem like I was running from the Chiefs loss. I mean, you were mean, you were bullying. You, it was really, you know, beneath your standards of broadcasting. So I would not compare you to Tom Brady. However, if we were to expand the sports broadcasting in Mount Rushmore to, you know, eight, nine, 32 people, you have a place on there somewhere. Fair enough. Why are you still doing it? You're old. You're rich. Um, I guess I have to do it as, as like a public service for, for America <laughs> because there's nobody who does it like I do as well as I do. And I, I think if I step down – can anybody ascend to the right? Throne? Who's going to fill that void? Exactly, right. and, and that's not fair. Who else is going to be carried on the backs of Seton and Paulie and Fritzy? It's yeah. going to be hard. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, I, I do this no, for America. You do it for America. Why did Johnny Carson keep doing it? Why does you know there are there is an element of? I just think that it is one thing if you are like the vast majority of human beings who live somewhere between mediocre average, above average, right in the meaty middle. It's like, my God, 
you know, I'm traveling every weekend. I'm never seeing my kids. I'm missing everything. At my quest, it's slightly greater than mediocrity. Or someone who it is, I'm going to retire 30 years younger than most people ever retire, 20 years younger. I am still competing at the highest level. My drive is what has, in many ways, opened up these doors my kids will be able to walk through forever. And now I'm stopping early. Now, the counterpoint to my own argument, I guess, is he did happen to marry someone who was the Tom Brady of her field, and she walked away 10 years ago. So maybe she's like, Tommy, I already did what we're asking you to do. It just, it would, if you, if let me ask you this, and then we can do the other stuff. I don't mean to be too probing. But if someone that you really love and care about had pushed you and pushed you to walk away when from your career, when you wanted to keep going, don't you think that would cause some tension rift like that would be something that'd be hard to get over it would be for me no because that happened at espn i was i was going to sign a five-year deal and that morning my wife said you know the kids are going to be out of the house when this deal is done she like i didn't i she did me a favor because you didn't retire no but i came home i came home and started something out of my attic i passed on espn no one does that but I, no. thank God I did it because I was missing everything because I was so focused on ESPN and I, my wife had the clarity to say, look, they're going to be all gone and you have three daughters that need you and just so you know that. But she didn't say, don't, don't sign the contract. I did that on my own where I said, I'm going to, they said, take it or leave it. I said, I'm going to leave it. And then I called her and I said, I'm coming home. She didn't celebrate like, you know, she just said, great. And then I said, no, I'm coming home. I'm quitting ESPN. Yeah. So, well, then listen, I and may and you and I have talked privately about, you know, when you and I got to know each other, it's because you were listening to my radio show. So you could steal your takes for your radio show because you have bigger audience. I had the better takes. So you would listen to mine yeah. at night and then you'd regurgitate. Them. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, you and I talked about the push and pull of me doing the mornings and then morning TV and then evening radio and not being around and whatever it is. And I, you know, and you talked about, Hey, it's exhausting. And I, you know, at some point you got to think about the work-life balance and I understand, but I, I guess the way I look at it, maybe I'm wrong here. Is he still a relatively young man? He's not young in sports terms, but he's young in life. He's 45, 44. And so I don't know. I, I guess let me put a pin on it on this. If he, if he doesn't play next season, do you think he never plays again? Because if that itch, if you still have that scratch, if you still have that itch and you don't get to finally like go out on your own terms, I do wonder if he goes back. No, because he's going to be a businessman. That'll scratch the itch. It's not the same. Every, every athlete who retires always thinks about, God, I could have, I should have, why didn't I? It's really rare when an athlete retires and goes, I don't miss this at all, you know? And I, Tom will miss that because he played at such a high level, and he knows that he's still a you know top five quarterback and would be next year. They're just not going to win a Super Bowl next year. I think if if he thought that they would be better, maybe that would be the the thing that would be the launching point for his conversation with Giselle to say, I can win one more Super Bowl. I don't think he's confident that Tampa Bay is going to be that good, and that probably helped the process as well. No, that's fair. I mean, I think that the idea, you know, they were 
they were this close to hosting the NFC championship game. I think they'd have beaten the Niners. Like they could have won this year's. I know that they have cap issues and all those things. But when you look at the quarterback situation, in the NFC, I don't think anybody, if Tom Brady announced today he's coming back, what are the Bucs? The third favorite to come out of the NFC? Rams, Packers, Bucks. Like, I don't think that they're some also ran, some Wobegon team. I'm not sure. I just the Again, it's it's a little awkward to discuss, but at no point did I hear Tom Brady ever be like, I'm, you know what? I've gotten my fill of football. I think, and those other guys that want to keep come back or didn't want to quit, usually, okay, that's fine and good, but nobody wants you on the team anymore because you're not good anymore. Yeah. He just had almost one MVP this year. I don't know. We're talking to Nick Wright, first things first, co-host, uh, Fox Sports 1. I text you when the Chiefs-Bengals were going into overtime. And I didn't hear back. Now, I didn't know, obviously, what the outcome was going to be. I was just saying, I think the Bengals got the Chiefs' attention. That's all I said. No, let's be fair, Dan, because let me hold on. This is going to take a moment because I have to unblock the number, and then I can (laughs) – I think the exact quote, if we're going to be fair, is, quote, I think my Bengals have your attention. Yes. End quote. You personalized it. Not the Bengals of the Chiefs' attention. You made this as a Dan Patrick versus Nick Wright thing, which is interesting because I don't, I didn't know you were. But I I did it before. I'm from Cincinnati. And I did this prior to the result, the end result. Good for you. I didn't do it after. What's your point? Why couldn't you You didn't do it at halftime. You certainly didn't do it when it was 21 to 3. I wasn't. I wasn't rubbing in your face in twenty one. You could have. Why would you reach out to me when I'm at my most vulnerable? It was. It was overtime. You guys won the toss. You got the greatest quarterback in the game. You guys were going to blow out the Cincinnati Bengals, if I recall you saying. I just said, "Hey, I think we got your attention. That's all." You could have. You could have said, "Yeah, boy, they they came back. I'm really really surprised. Uh, Boy, they got a lot more grit than I thought." Hey, Dan, a nice little team you got. Pat my head and then move on. A lot of things I could have done. Instead, I ignored you. Like I wish I would have Fritzy's interview request. I, Dan, I was very upset. You reach. You know that I'm. You know I've got thousands of dollars on the game. I've got reputational value worth, you know, potentially not unearned that, millions. Not that much, but on the game, a couple thousand. I've got, I, I, I've got a lot. I'm from there. I have a lot riding on the game, and you, you know, managed to text me when I'm it, it, at my low lowest. I thought it was rude. I thought it was unbecoming. I thought it was bullying, much like our last interview. No, this was just to acknowledge that, hey, you guys won the toss. You got Mahomes. You're at home. You're probably going to win. I just wanted to put it out there and just say, hey, you know what? That, that was a nice contest, and the Bengals, they put up a good fight. That's all. That was it. Okay. Do you think I've spent 11 minutes talking about Tom Brady's psychology because I was really interested in it or because I was trying to avoid this very topic. <laughs> I know how radio clock clocks work. All I know I is if I filibustered long enough. We would be like, ah, we don't have time to get. No, nope, I'm going to blow right through the commercial break. Oh, Just keep going. God. Cause the dynasty of one continues in Kansas city. Oh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> They made me talk about that on the TV show this morning. This was the question. More likely, <laughs> Dynasty or they never win another Super Bowl? Let me ask you that. What do you think is more likely there? That they'll win another Super Bowl. Thank you. Of course it is. 
the poor guy, Mahomes, has one bad half. Uh, you know what? He, he's got one good quarter in two Super Bowls. He has not played well in AFC title games. He hasn't played well in AFC title games. What? Bite your tongue, sire. I'm sorry. The 14-point comeback against the Patriots. That that wasn't playing look well. Look at his numbers. The, he doesn't oh, have... Three he does, touchdowns, no picks. Hold on. I actually have the numbers without looking at them. How did three he do the no final against, two quarters against eight, eight. the Bengals? At home. You said... No. I said one bad half. You then said he hasn't looked good in AFC title games. So let's actually go to the facts, something once upon a time you used to do, <laughs> but evidently you're allergic to now. First AFC title game ever against Bill Belichick, 14-point uh, second half comeback, uh, takes the lead in the fourth quarter, and then ties the game up with less than 30 seconds remaining when getting the ball back with 39 seconds. Then next AFC championship game, uh, down 17-7 to the Titans, comes roaring back once again, Three touchdowns, no interceptions. How does he the get down AFC, all these times? How does he get AFC, down? Oh, I don't know. The, the next AFC, I'll tell you how he got down. The next, <laughs> next AFC championship game, uh, before he touches the ball, down 9 nothing thanks to a muffed punt. The Bills getting the ball. Um, a 38-6 to run. Once again, multiple touchdowns, no interceptions. Then he played poorly for a half. And how did he, he play in the AFC Super Bowl? Game. How did he play in the Super Bowl? His, his okay, Super, well, his two so Super Bowl. Greatest, yeah, so let's talk about him. First one. The second greatest comeback in Super Bowl history seems good. I don't know. I don't no, no, know. he had Maybe one. He, he made one play. It was a broken coverage on Tyreek Hill. He almost got beat by Jimmy Garoppolo. Now we're doing almost got beat by. Okay, that's well, fun. No, no, this you're you're saying he's the greatest quarterback in the league. He almost. He's the most, he's the, yeah, well, he obviously is, especially Brady retiring. Who's the best quarterback in football? Who is it? Give me a name. Well, an hour ago it was Brady. Okay, well, that's great. We live in the now, Dan. We live in the here and the now. Okay. Who is it? Uh, how did how did he do against uh, Tom Brady last year, Super Bowl? Okay, we live in the here. Oh, and the last year's Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm just doing some stats here. Pressured I just... 29. Okay, here's a stat for you. Take every NFL game ever played in recorded history. What quarterback was pressured the most in any single game, playoff, regular season, uh, Mahomes in the Super Bowl. So if you want to put that Joe Burrow got him, sacked nine times a week and a half ago and won the game. That's correct. Right. I like Joe Burrow. Let's go. How about we call a different play? How about your, your genius Andy Reid? How about we call something so I don't get sacked all these times? You want to relitigate last year's Super Bowl? That's fine. We can relitigate last <laughs> year's Super Bowl. Litigate. You want to relitigate? You want to talk about conference championship games? How about Tom, how about your your beloved Tom Brady not throw three picks in every conference championship game he plays in? Three second half picks against the Packers somehow escapes that. Now I'm now I'm bleeping on Tom Brady. Day you're retired, but you put me in this position. <laughs> threw three picks against the Chiefs AFC championship game. One of them voided thanks to the D Ford nonsense. Uh, this is Brady's better, out of fingers. Brady doesn't have any fingers left for rings. I mean, come on. You can't be. Again, well, this is, I'm arguing stats with a man that doesn't know tens more than seven. I mean, what do you want from me here? Uh, he actually has three fingers left, buddy. So I sold. No, 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 retired. no, no. He, oh. Giselle made him cut, cut those off. Oh, so he, he wouldn't stay. Yeah. So he wouldn't stay and say, I got to get rings for every finger. That's great. That's called, Wait. that's called, that's, uh, I'm an insider. I want the audience to know something. Oh, okay. God. I want the audience to know what compensated zero dollars for these appearances. It is on in direct conflict with very popular programming on my own <laughs> network. So I probably shouldn't <laughs> even be doing them. 
You won't. I've invited you to basketball I, games. I will go you. to a game with you. You know what? I no, would rather go. I don't want your pity. I will. I look. I will. I will be seen with you. I will go out and let people see, and they'll go. Oh, Dan Patrick's son. Man, he doesn't look anything like him. <laughs> you know what? That's another thing. You made fun of my voice last week. <laughs> the other day, not that long ago. Um, when we were watching as a family Netflix and one of your <laughs> stupid cameos came on some stupid movie. Uh, hey, now, now you're going to get me mad. You can call me a bad host, bad take, bad journalist, but I'm a freaking good actor. Well, not only good actor, because here's the problem. When you came on there, I said, that's the guy I go on with. You know what my wife said? Hot. My mother of my children, love of my life, one who saved my life. He's handsome well, for an older fella. She Look at that. is a journalist. She's a journalist. <laughs> She's objective. I love She's that. Objective. I love yeah, that. That's great. I don't. I didn't love it. You know what I said? All uh, uh, Are you going to L.A.? CGI. No, I'm not going to L.A. Oh, uh, darn it. Why? Well, you I, were going to be there? I am. I am going to be there. Yeah, but I would invite me to meet the crew. Yes, I would have you join us on set. Oh, okay. Where's your set right now? I'm just curious. Connecticut. Connecticut. Where am I right now? You're probably in Brooklyn. I'm in Manhattan. Again, you're always taking little shots at me. Well, there's a little little borough snobbery. No, no, no. You invited me to a Nets game in Brooklyn. I thought maybe you lived in Brooklyn. No, no, no. That's fine. Uh, no, it's because they were in the playoffs. Th- that's the other thing. You there. look like you I love this. live in Brooklyn. This is, see, again. No, that's I, a hipster. I, I, that's a hipster. That's a hipster. Oh, yeah, I'm a hipster. You're that's a, a thing. <laughs> um, no, but so here's the thing, Dan. This is, I love this. Dan and I work and live within, I don't know, 45 minutes of each other. Never see each what other. Are you, what are you doing but, hey, Friday night? I'm going to California. What are you doing Friday, Friday night? night? Yeah. Hanging out with you, evidently. Do you want to go to dinner Friday night? I do. Okay. Are you, is that with you or are you just going to give me a reservation? You make a reservation in my name and you'd be like, Hey, you and your wife should go. Uh, I was going to take my daughter out, but I didn't know if you would like to go to dinner in the city. I'm, I'm not trying to third wheel it with you and your daughter. Okay. But you're such a bad guy. You give a whole heartfelt. <laughs> my wife told me I'm going to miss the kids. And then, and then you end it with, okay, I guess if you, you know, I was already going to be in the city with my daughter, you and I will hang out another time, Dan. It's not meant to be. It's not meant to be. And I'm not going to beg. Thanks for coming. Up. Again, why do I do this? No, I, every time this is, I regret it. This is great for you. Your profile. I mean, <laughs> come on. I'm going to start paying you in crypto. Okay. How's that? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Hey, Solana has dipped, man. Now's the time. Okay. Buy it. Yeah. Solana, 97 bucks a coin. See you, buddy. Hi. Thank you, Nick. Bye. That's uh, that's Nick Wright. First things first, co-host, Fox Sports 1. You know, I'd love to go to dinner with him, but I got to spend time with the kids. I mean, that's what it's all about. All about the kids. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or 
wherever you get your podcasts. Say good morning to our radio affiliates, Fox Sports Radio, and numbering nearly 400 cities. Um, Also, you can watch on Peacock. You can download the app and watch for free. So we spent a little bit of time trying to figure out what's going on with Jim Harbaugh. Tom Pelissero, the NFL Network, he broke the news that Harbaugh is going to fly into Minnesota. Like, now it gets real. You know, it's one thing if, hey, I'm hearing maybe he's reaching out to the Raiders or vice versa, and now you have him going to Minnesota. Now this changes things, or it feels a little bit more real. But uh, I'm don't take my word. Take Sam Webb's uh, word for it. He's the publisher of the MichiganInsider.com on 24-7 Sports, morning show host of Sports Talk 1050, The Ticket. Sam joins us now. Sam, uh, thanks for joining us on short notice. So <laughs> Jim, Jim Harbaugh going to Minnesota means what to you? It means that he's serious about this job. Uh, you know, you're right, Dan, that this is different than past sort of, I think, media-driven media-driven storylines. I, I don't think that Jim Harbaugh really pursued this in years past, but make no mistake, he is going after this job. It, he could have silenced this quickly. He didn't. I think there's a message in that. And that this is so public that he is going to Minnesota at a time where he is trying to hire a defensive coordinator. Uh, I know a lot of people are making a big deal about, about him traveling there on National Signing Day. They aren't signing any prospects. Uh, coming up on Wednesday, but it is transfer portal time. There are things that you're doing to prepare for spring ball, to prepare roster management, right? His focus is on Minnesota. He is going there to get this job that makes this different. And everyone that I talk to, whether they be around Ann Arbor, agents in the NFL that I talk to, they all expect that if the Minnesota Vikings offer Jim Harbaugh this job, he will take it. I thought Michigan was his dream job. He did, <laughs> like what 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 is what has transpired here in the last uh, twelve months? Yeah, man, it's it's funny. I, I get that question a lot, and look, I'm I, I can only try to get in Jim Harbaugh's head so much. I don't know him as well as his family or his friends that have been around him his his entire life, but I've I've gotten to know him as as well as a media member could get to know him over the past seven years, and what I could say is when he came to town, it was like he was the Prince of Zamunda. They were throwing the rose petals at his feet, right? And you get six years into the process, you have real adversity, and you have, you have the people who anointed you from day one sort of turning on you. And it sort of reminds you that while you came home and this is your place, this is a job and support can erode here like it erodes anywhere. So being on the precipice of losing your job has a way of re- sort of reminding you or giving you that perspective. I think it's that. I think that realizing that there might be another opportunity that's better for him personally, uh, there might be a, a situation that's better for his family. Uh, the window will never be wider than it is now. He's coming off his, mo- his biggest success at Michigan. There are a, a slew of teams or were a slew of teams that he had connections to. The iron is never going to be hotter than it is now. He's 58 now. It only gets harder to get an NFL job after this. So I think the convergence of all of those things makes this an ideal time. And while I think he's loyal to Michigan, he loves Michigan. I think probably in his mind, he, he will say, I got him back. I got him back to 
being in the picture in the national title hunt. I left it better than I found it. Now I can do something that might be better for me personally, might be better for my family. I think that's how he's probably looking at it. But the irony of this is, Sam, he beat Ohio State, and because he beat Ohio State, he became a little bit more of a hot candidate. If he loses to Ohio State, then it's all same old story. He beats Ohio State, and that might be the reason why he's back, you know, on the front burner. It it, it is ironic. It's ironic in that, you know, his name was out there last year like it had never been before, and there were no real takers. But again, I I think it's also the case that in this cycle, you just mentioned he's he's this hot name. I, I think it's all relative. I think it's hot relative to what he was last year when there were no takers. Now, I mean, how many jobs did you have open? Eight. And while Jim Harbaugh's name was attached to a bunch of these jobs in the media, you talk to NFL people and his name wasn't like really yeah. in the mix for all these jobs. Why is this? People keep asking, why is he dragging this out so long? You take it out as long as it takes for a team to show real interest, right? So this is the team showing real interest. It happens to be in the 23rd hour. It's related to Kwesi uh, Adolfo Mensa getting that job, a guy that he worked with in San Francisco. So this, I think, even more so, even, as much as beating Ohio State puts you on the radar, it's also, I think, really revealing that it took this. It took to this point in this cycle for him to get a real taker. I think that's another reason why if you're him, man, you better jump on this train while it's here. Is Jim Harbaugh coaching Minnesota or Michigan next season? I, I think that's all about what Minnesota wants to do. If Minnesota offers him that job, I, it, I really believe he will take it. Okay. Uh, I think it, it's a it's a prime opportunity. I think he's confident in where he left it. I think he probably sees a successor on his staff. He probably will will speak up for one of them, I imagine, before he goes. So I think he's feeling pretty good about Michigan State and about Michigan's state. And then I think (laughs) with that, it gives him comfort in moving on to the next thing for him. So if, because this is what I can't quantify, I don't know if they're going to offer him the job. It seems like it's leaning that way. People I talk to say that he's Kwesi Adolfo Menza's number one target. If that's the case and he knocks this interview out of the park and they offer him the job, he will take it. Good stuff, Sam. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. Appreciate it. That's Sam Webb, publisher of the Michigan Insider.com, 24-7 sports and morning show host of Sports Talk 1050, The Ticket. Man, the NFL just keeps on giving. And if offered the job, does Jim take it? This is what I still don't understand about the Dolphins, Stephen Ross. If you say, I don't want to poach him from Michigan, but then Minnesota is going to poach him from Michigan. If you want him, now you should be saying, hey, Jim, if you're going to leave, then you can be my head coach with the Dolphins. Because I thought that all along, when you fired Flores, that you were hiring Jim Harbaugh. And you're going to let him go to the Minnesota Vikings? I'm surprised. If that's the case, yeah, Paul. And here's the other side of it. If Jim Harbaugh is using all this to play Michigan to get a pay raise, Stephen Ross would be involved in that. He's one of the biggest boosters for University of Michigan sports. Yeah. He's covering both sides of it, Stephen Ross. All right, couple of phone calls. Phil in Indiana. Hi, Phil. What's on your mind? Hey, Dan. Always a pleasure. Hey, real quick. Uh, when you decide if and when you ever decide to retire, please, for the love of God, don't uh, tell Adam Schefter. Pick somebody else, Dan. <laughs> maybe, maybe Jeremy Schaap or somebody. I don't know. But hey, Dan. Real quick. So, 
Do you think the the blueprint now that uh, to stop Mahomes is what Cincinnati did? So they they rush three, drop seven, have a spy. I I thought that was an incredible game plan, extremely effective. I'm just wondering how many teams look at that and try and duplicate that next year. Have a great week, Dan. Thank you, Phil. Always great to hear from you. I don't know about that. We always talk about blueprints. Remember the blueprint for beating the Chiefs was keep everything in front of you. Don't let Hill, uh, don't let Kelsey beat you. Nothing over the top there. Keep it all in front of you. And Mahomes had a hard time adjusting to that, eventually did this year. And now you have this where you have three rushing, and then you have a spy on Mahomes, and then you have seven in the secondary. Um, I, 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 thought, I thought it was a desperate move by the Bengals. But they they couldn't solve him. They they had, you know, obviously a hard time in the first quarter. Here was Mike. I just kept thinking, okay, at what point does Andy Reid, offensive genius, start running the ball? That's all. You got Jarrett McKinnon, who I really like. Clyde Edwards, you drafted. Uh, Mahomes can scramble. I, I would have put the pressure there and just said, we're going to take up all the time on the clock. You're not going to get any time. We're going to have methodical drives, and uh, you eventually are going to bring those defensive backs up, and I'm going to beat you. I just didn't understand it. I, th- I thought it was, it was one of those where you're watching a game and you're going, okay, the Bengals countered, okay? Their defense in the beginning didn't work. Now what do we do? We're going to go with this kind of gimmicky defense. And I kept waiting for the Chiefs to go, oh, okay, we see that, and we'll raise you. And then they didn't. And I just thought, you can run the ball. You can run the ball all day long if you want to. You can have screen passes. Whatever it is, I, you can incorporate Tyreek Hill and those jet sweeps. Whatever those things are. But I just didn't, I didn't understand it. Looking back on it and watching, I mean, it was a brilliant decision. But it might have been the only decision the Bengals had in that situation. Zach in Charlotte joins us on the program. Hey, Zach. Hey, bud. Hey, Hey, how about that guy, Nick Wright, man? That dude freaking stinks, man. I'm out on him. He's great. I didn't like the way he was, he was kind of going after you there. Oh, um, no. Anyways. Um, He's a good guy. Hey, I want to speak with uh, Fritzy, if you don't mind. Fritzy, oh. are you there? Yeah. I sure am. Hey, Fritzy, I know it's been a rough couple weeks since uh, McLovin left, but I want to cheer you up, and mm-hmm. I've got a joke to do that. So, are you ready? I sure am. Let's do it. <clears throat> 79 is the new 78. That's, That's Mar- Marv Albert. That's Marv Albert. There you go. Pretty, keep your head up, man. Thanks, bud. Yeah. That's all I got. I'll hang up and listen. Seven, 79 is the new 78, and then you laughed at that. <laughs> oh, my mic? Yeah. My mic? I'm sorry. My mic's on. <laughs> but that was a good line, though. My, my mic's still on. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Marvin can pull that up sitting in there for Seton, <laughs> but... Uh, Classic moment in uh, sports radio history. Yeah, one of the greats of all time. Uh, let me uh, sneak in Jeff in Detroit. Hi, Jeff. Let me know when you find that, Marge. You got it? Okay, here it is. The 79 is the new 78. Todd. <laughs> so, uh, oh, I have my mic. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be watching it. I hope it gets off. I think that... That sounds like we scripted it. And And Marv has no idea that... Todd is on his, you know, his microphone. Is True open. professionally just kept going as if no one's talking in the background. My, Twice. Uh, play it one more time. 
79 is the new 78. Todd. So, I'll be watching it. I hope it gets off. I think that... So bad. Yes. There's just no explanation yes, for that. Yes, it was. It was horrible. I had been kind of doing this for a while, you know, being on the air, and you would think I would have got the button. Well, the out. Bill Hader one, when you were laughing out loud, <laughs> when when Bill Hader did his Keith Morrison from Dateline impersonation. <laughs> yeah. Like you left your microphone open during the interview. Uh, Jeff in Detroit. Hi, Jeff. What's on your mind? Hey, what's going on, Dan? What up, though? One time for chat row. You got Sam Webb is right on something. They slighted him when they took away his salary, and I guess it made Jim Harbaugh think that, you know, by them reducing the salary, he wasn't doing a good enough job. Now he's, you know, a hot commodity around town. Uh, real quick, um, there's been a national joke going around about my city. And the joke is by Matt Stafford going to the Super Bowl and Eminem playing the Super Bowl, that's the closest that Detroit will ever be to a Super Bowl. They're wrong. Jerome Bettis winning the Super Bowl was the closest when the actual Super Bowl was here. So just to let them know, if you're going to dog me out, make sure you got the right collar and leash for me. Wow. You know what I mean? All right. Thank you, Jeff. Let's take a break. Bill Plaschke, the popular columnist for the L.A. Times, will get his thoughts on uh, the Rams. The Rams are the road team in this Super Bowl. Really? Yeah. That, the designation? Yeah, the NFC team was going to be the road team in the oh. Super Bowl, so the Rams are the road team against the Bengals. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, and you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR, or stream us live on the Peacock app. Bill Plaschke, the great columnist for the LA Times, around the horn contributor, and uh, he joins us now. Bill, well, what will you miss most about Tom Brady? Um, I miss the fact that you hated him. He's the one athlete in American culture where you, I hated him for 10 or 15 years, and, that, and now I love him. I mean, he's. I miss the fact that you, the conflicting emotions around this guy are no athletes ever been so reviled and then so, and then come through it and then been so loved. I mean, it's, it's amazing the journey he's taken in our, in our conscious. What, what made you hate Brady? He cheated. Well, let's don't forget. <laughs> let's don't forget this. He was arrogant. He was part of the Belichick arrogant era. People knew anybody, come on, Dan, anybody outside New England for years, load Brady and then he goes to Tampa Bay and he does it without Belichick and he does it on his own and he does it on his own terms and now everybody loves him and I think that's cool but do you think that cheater label how big is that label is it in capital letters here now no that- I think I think it got I think it became over he won three Super Bowls after that so yeah. I think I think that became lowercase but it's still part of his resume right I mean, I'm amazed that some of these stories about his retirement don't have that in there. I mean, that's part of his legacy for Pete's sake. But again, he, he did, he was able to overcome. And that's, that, that's what I remember is that he was able to overcome all, a whole country, most of the country outside New England, really not liking the guy to everybody loving him and respecting him. What was that feeling like when uh, the Rams winning to advance, but putting maybe uh, an end to Tom Brady's career? And Yeah, in- I was there. It was amazing. It was, it was amazing to me. I didn't think no way he's going to retire. The last he threw a 55-yard touchdown pass to Mike Evans. We're watching the game and like this guy's unstoppable. He's going to come back and beat the Rams. 
He's a great. He's still the greatest ever, and he, and he walks away. So it was. It was watching the game. I thought this guy's got five more years left in him. I mean, he was every bit as good as he's ever been. The whole press box was hushed watching this guy work. We wouldn't think we're watching a guy on the verge of retirement. Absolutely. That, and that's the other cool thing, right? He walked away at the very, very top of his game. He's as good. He was as good on when I saw him in that final game. He's as good as that as when I saw him in his first game. Um, what would have happened if the Rams had lost that game? <laughs> the same thing that's going to happen if they lose the Super Bowl, Dan. <laughs> They're not done yet, buddy. It was interesting. You said you sounded surprised that the Bengals were the, the Rams were the visiting team in the Super Bowl. They're the visiting team every game. Every game. Every game. <laughs> they don't yet have this town, but they're working on it. And it will be, if they lost that game, it'll be devastation, but it'll be similar devastation. They've got to beat the Bengals. They have to, in order to ensure their place and try to get on the pecking order with Lakers and Dodgers and USC football, they have to win this game. I mean, this game's set up for them. If they can't win in their home, yes, I, I was just talking with, with others about it. It'll be, it's not going to be, well, they got this far good for them, you know, well-tried, well-hail and hearty guys. No, it'll be devastation. You blew it. You're going to get ripped because they've got it because that's where they're at in this town. They have to win a Super Bowl, a championship, to really forge their place in this community's landscape. If I said you could pick the Rams to win the Super Bowl or the Lakers to win another NBA title. Oh, I think I'd pick the Rams because it's I like more teams and more fun and more variety. And I'm getting so sick of the Lakers. LeBron's knee. Oh my God. The Lakers are just Anthony Davis makes me oh my God. So yes, I, I think people I think people would would rather it'd be something different, something new. I mean, would they have a parade? Would anybody come? I'm sure there there would be people in the parade. There'd be a lot of 49ers fans booing there. <laughs> but, what do you um, what do you think the town's going to be like though uh, next week? It's going to be crazy because the Super Bowl is never about who's playing in the game anyway. I mean, Shaq's got this big Shaq rented out the Shriner Auditorium downtown. He's got this big party. I mean, it's going to be huge. It's going to be it's going to be nuts. And the, no COVID restrictions or anything. I mean, even now you, you go to like a Laker or a, a Clipper game. Nobody's wearing masks. Nobody wears masks anywhere, any, you know, in, at these big sports events. It's going to be crazy. The Rams not was the Rams are going to be the smallest part of it. Everybody's crazy just because it's the Super Bowl. It's L.A. and really it belongs here. Dan. It started here. I, I say the Super Bowl, welcome home. It should be here. It should be here every year. It's a perfect spot for it. As far as the trade for Matthew Stafford, can you can you give a final grade on that trade? Or do you have to let this play out a little bit longer? Jared Goff got him to a Super Bowl, Dan. He didn't win. <laughs> Matthew Stafford, I'm telling you, I know it sounds like we're being tough on these guys, but they welcome that. They welcome that, uh, you know, the, the, the pressure. They, they've got no – Matthew Stafford, it's, it's unwritten yet. If he, if he blows it against the Bengals – they've got to beat the Bengals. The Chiefs might have been a little different. They've got to beat the Bengals. And Matthew Stafford has to have a good game. And then I think the whole thing on him is, is rewritten. But if not, then again, Jared Goff got him this far too. So that's I think the trade is still – I think you still have to hold your breath on that because that's – again, Goff got him to the, to, the, to the big game too. Odell more likely to stay if they win or if they lose? Well, that's it. I, I think if they lose, he's out of here. I think, I, think he's, I think he's really happy. And I was wrong. I ripped him for signing Odell. I thought it was a huge mistake. 
I thought he'd be a prima donna. I thought he he would demand the ball. I thought he'd lost his, his step. I was dead wrong on him, man. He's really been unbelievable. He's been the difference in the last. I don't think they did here without him. I know Cooper Cup's the best receiver in football, but Odell clears it. You look at Cooper Cup, nobody ever guards him. Is, is it amazing to you you watch these games? Nobody's ever covering Cooper Cup. Well, I don't understand that. And maybe I don't know enough about football, but I think Odell Beckham takes a lot of the attention away from him. He's been great here. I think if he wins, I think he stays. I think he does love the Hollywood life and he loves the, the spotlight. But he's been really good for this team. And I was really wrong about him. It, it's interesting when you talk about Odell liking the the city and, and everything that goes with it. Cooper Cup doesn't feel like that's the city for his personality. No, absolutely not. He's so straight and narrow and so, you know, understated. He's like some mountain man. It's weird. He looks Amish. And he, <laughs> and he, he seems he seems very reticent. I mean, he's very... He's a know, reluctant he's, star. He, he, he absolutely is. And that's what makes him so great. But still, how come nobody guards him? How come nobody's ever covering him? How come he's always open? I just don't care for it. But yes, he's very... After the game, you see Cooper Cup to be so excited. He's done such great things. You see, Cooper had that great, you know, 88, 70 yard touchdown pass field. It felt okay. It was, <laughs> it was good. It was, it was a great quarterback. Well, he's, he's, he's really boring. But it goes back to, and I, and I don't like making a white wide receiver reference to Cooper Cup, but Steve Largent was such a precise route runner. And you would watch and you go, how is that guy open all the time? And I think route running is probably maybe a lost art because we just feel like it's just you get out there and you just go. You're athletic. Five wide, let's go. And Cooper Cup, is you provide good athleticism and route running, great hands, size. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's a interesting combination. Sean McVay says a lot of things that I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. I don't understand half of what he says. But, but he does say that Cooper Cup works the edge. He says exactly what you said, that he runs exactly precise routes. It's geometry is why he's open. It's that he keeps, he works the edges, he works the angles, he walks the fine line, he does it exactly the perfect way, and that's what and that's exactly what Sharmavik Sh- explains it. I still don't understand it. Double team him, triple team him. Why, why is he even getting, why is he not on the ground every time? It's, it's just amazing to me. You like Sean McVay? Oh, I love him. Yeah, he's he's so energetic and he's so willing, whether it's real or not, to fall on his sword. You say, Sean, that was a terrible call. Yeah, I know it's a terrible call. It's my fault. I lost a game. Every game he says I lost a game. He who else admits moments after the Super Bowl that he got out coached? Everyone knew Belichick out coached him. And he admitted it. Yeah. And he said he was numb. Yeah, yeah, I love the guy. He's just, his energy is great for the town, but he's got to win too. He's this boy genius. But he's had game management difficulties, some play calling questionable things, had the tough breakup with golf. He's got to, he's like Stafford. He's got to win win in two weeks too. Did he fall on his sword with the Jared Goff situation? Because I I don't know if I heard him. No, no, not not entirely. We kind of polished the sword for him. <laughs> I thought they handled that terribly. I thought they yeah. really Jared Goff was takes took such accountability and was such a stand up guy, and they just threw him under the bus repeatedly. I thought that they, they had that poor, very, very poorly. And they've never really acknowledged that. And that's, and then, so that's part of the part of his, his past. And again, McVay, McVay's got to win a championship. Oh, good stuff, Bill. Thanks as always. We appreciate your time.
Thanks. This is great. See you. That's Bill Plaschke, LA Times columnist, around the horn contributor. Yeah, Sean McVay. You you know when after that Super Bowl, he did admit he was like, I got out coach. I think he was in awe of Bill Belichick. It was just weird. Like I'm on the same stage with Bill Belichick, and then you know Belichick is not there to acknowledge you, endorse you, anything. I'm I'm here to win. Couldn't care less. Bill might not even known who the coach was on the other side the way he is. Uh, I don't know what his name is. Yeah, Paul. You yeah, you with the nice hair. Right? Yeah. Hey, do you think like it'd be great to do like a funnier die with Cooper Cup? Put him put him in a t-shirt, jeans, and a baseball hat. Have him at a gas station and just see if people recognize him. But he's probably what six one, hundred ninety pounds. Very normal looking guy. Yeah. He was walking down by. Venice. I don't even think he got to put a baseball hat on him. You could put his jersey you could on. Put him, put him in his uniform. What's <laughs> the guy with eye black? He just doesn't. He 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 plays. It's weird. You play a position like that where we expect you to bring it. Be it be about yourself. Bring the attention to yourself. And he doesn't. He'll just make a catch and that's it. Uh, it seems like he's a little taller. Yeah. Then I mean, yeah, he's a physical receiver. We always try to make uh, white wide receivers shorter, like Edelman. Oh, <laughs> it's a it's a habit. The first time I saw Edelman, a person he he's a small person. Like Edelman's not even he can't be even five eleven. But he's solid. Oh yeah. Oh, I wouldn't mess with him. No, he's he's a he's a solid little receiver. Like Amendola feels a little bit uh, less sturdy. Did we? Accidentally work in two yeah, white wide receivers and, when we're and talking Wes about Welker, Cooper Cup. Yeah, yes. You yes. had Steve Largent at least. That was original. Yeah. Yes, Marvin. All those guys are scrappy. Oh, they Just are. know that. Yeah. The, you, you're not allowed to say that. We can say that. All those guys are scrappy. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> They're probably coaches' sons. You know, we we have these code words for uh, white wide receivers. He's gritty, possession guy, scrappy. First one to arrive, last one to leave. Oh, that's a great one, Dan. <laughs> I always love that. Because you you don't even have to know who somebody's talking about, but when they say, oh, he's got a high high IQ, he got a really high IQ, high motor. Like, no, no uh, black players have a high motor. Right? Apparently not. White guys, we got high motors because we have to. That's That's the way we... We we play. You gotta have a high motor. Yeah, Paul. And he can't be fast. He's gotta be faster than I expected. Deceptively. Deceptively fast. Deceptively. More quick than fast. Mm. <laughs> but no quick twitch. Doesn't have any quick twitch. But you watch Cooper Cup and and I, I still go back to Jerry Rice from Jerry ran a four six forty. But Jerry never seemed like you could catch him. Um, he had an, a, a, a grace to him. Lance, uh, Lance Allworth was one of my favorite wide receivers, a Bambi. He had this grace about him. Like there's certain wide receivers that, you know, they run with power or, you know, everything about them. It feels like it's Odell Beckham had that grace to him when he you know first came into the league, that ability to just make it look effortless. But if you're looking at Odell Beckham's career recovery, it's been pretty incredible. I mean, the Browns got to be watching this. Giants watching this. I couldn't help but think of the Packers because the Packers could have signed him. And if you could get him for that amount of money or make it incentive-driven, I, I, 
I, I don't know. I, I thought that Rodgers would push more for it. But if you look back, what, two and a half months, three months ago in October, this was a mess. And I didn't think that he was the right player for Baker Mayfield, uh, in large part because it felt like he could say to Baker, hey, I'm open all the time. And Baker, probably wanting to be his friend and develop that relationship, sort of acquiesced to him. And people remember that first game without Odell Beckham. And we're like, okay, yeah, Baker doesn't need OBJ. And then you're like, no, Baker probably needs OBJ. But having a established quarterback, I think helps immensely because OBJ and, and you know, you're not the number one receiver on your team. Like, you know, it, you see it. It's not one of those, Hey, I'm just as good as he is. And he probably thought I'm just as good as Jarvis Landry in Cleveland. He knows it's Cooper cup then what do you need me to do? And he's done that. To his credit, he's done that. Not the biggest fan, but, you know, when he plays and plays at a high level, that's elite stuff.